Don't want to get eaten by the Sharknado. Sharknado. Hello, 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 hello to the denizen of downloaders listening to this broadcast via the means of the podcast. A copy of the best-selling book, How to Survive a Sharknado, is on its way to each and every one of you. Read through it carefully. It will save your life. In a week that saw the world premiere of Sharknado 2, the second one, on television screens across the globe, it seemed a fitting time to celebrate this iconic, so bad it's brilliant film. And with that in mind, the theme for this week's show is Jump the Sharknado, Iron Bloody Zero. He should change his surname to Zeitgeist, for that's what this film franchise has become, as well as learning how to pronounce his first name as well, Ian. Iron, my word. All of London, even the handbags, are swinging to the sides of the Dookie Radio Show. The Dookie Radio Show does not broadcast on a frequency that exists. However, it's available for download every Monday if you're up for it. And oh, heads up, you are. Who is this guy? He sounds like an asshole. In the studio with me, I have Sylvia Silversmith. Hello, Sylvia. Hello, Dookie and all lovely Dookie listeners. And the woman with the razor-sharp voice, our roving reporter... Marsha MacDonald, greetings and salutations. Yeah, hey everyone, what up? The theme for this week's show is Jumping the Sharknado. Yeah. Sharknado 2 recently was shown on screens not only in its native North America, yeah. but around the world, including the United Kingdom. Yeah. And it has been a shark week. Personally, I've been looking at the weather forecast with a great deal of fear and indeed trepidation that this vile piece of cinematic horror might become a reality on our shores here in Blighty. Dookie. Yes. Can I just can I just enlighten the listeners about a little juxtaposition that I found to be kind of amusing this week? Please enlighten our listeners about this juxtaposition. So this past Thursday was when Sharknado 2... The second one. The second, colon, the second one... Shark Happens. uh, Really? Was it really Shark Happens? Yes. No way. Yes. I didn't even notice that. Okay. So that's when it kind of premiered on... uh, The Sci-Fi Channel here in the the UK. The Sci-Fi Channel. So me and Do 
Suzuki decide that we're going to get together and uh, watch this. And Sylvia, that night you weren't around uh, because you were doing something. What was it? I was at the National Portrait Gallery seeing a very heavyweight literary biographer lecture on the effect of the postmodernist painters on the works of Virginia Woolf. What does her body type have to do with the lecture? Dookie, that's funny. You said that she's a heavyweight. Intellectually heavyweight. Oh, I didn't know that. So, I thought that was kind of interesting that, uh, you know, what does that, Dookie, what does that say about... It's funny how we all get along, because, you know, Sylvia is out, you know, being an intellectual. You and I are over at yours, you know, watching... I don't even... Uh, how, how do you even explain this movie? I mean, it's called Sharknado, the second one. You know, that's probably what people need to know. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to insult anybody's knowledge or intelligence here. I'm sure people know anyway, but just in case you don't, uh, this movie, yeah. Can we talk about the defying of laws of physics in this movie? And the first one. Yes. So, okay, Dookie, so... There's a tornado heading our way made up of sharks, right? Yes. Okay, so let's firstly entertain the idea. Let's just say that that's true, okay? Let's just say that that's possible. Can we do that first? Is that okay? Absolutely. I mean, this is an anomaly. Yeah. And it's described as such in the film. Yeah. So it isn't so much a, a suspension of disbelief that needs to be employed y- yeah. as much as embracing the possibility that this could become a reality. Yeah, so let's just let's just call that well, you, you don't you do that in algebra or something, you know, you call you know, you call zero true or whatever you know, whatever they do. Uh, so you, let's call that plausible and possible, right? Yes. Okay, so how very mythbusters of you. Yeah, I've been watching Mythbusters. Yeah, I, I, I do like them. They feel like my they're my friends. Can you imagine, you know, Carrie from Mythbusters? Carrie, uh, Carrie one, Byron. Carrie Byron, the one, the, the redhead. Yes. Can you imagine how many forums she's got dedicated to her? I mean... It is a show which attracts a great deal of... Dinks, dorks, nerds. Yeah, I'm thinking Carrie Byron. Uh, she would most definitely be the only woman that these people have. Bless her heart. Seen as a possibility. I mean, gorgeous and smart and kind of dorky too. Carrie, if you're listening, don't Google yourself. I'm surely, I'm sure you don't anyway. I'm sure you got much better things Marcia, to do. Marsha, have you Googled her? No, but you know, because I'm, you know, I don't wanna because you know. That there's going to be some skanky forums out there about her. Because I watched one yesterday where she straddled one of the dummies that they use. And you, That's no way to refer to the cast, surely. Yeah, you can be a no, bit you're on fire with them bad boys today, Dickie. Uh, you're and, referring to one of the crash test dummies. Yeah, Buster. 
Yeah, but it wasn't Buster. It was another one. Ooh. And she gets around. Yeah, and Ms. I just Byron. thought, you know, if I'm a World of Warcraft playing nerd, right, who probably writes into Mythbusters telling them where they went wrong, right? Carrie's gonna be my ultimate. Carrie will be an example of how Mythbusters got it right. Yeah, and I just like, you don't want to Google that poor gal. I mean, anyway, what were we talking about? Sharknado 2. Yeah, we're talking about, so, okay, so physically, let's just entertain the idea that it's possible. There's a Sharknado on the way towards East London, right? Right. Where are you going to head for safety? Because here's the thing. Sorry. Here's the thing. So if a normal tornado is on its way, right, I'm going to go to the low ground. I'm going to go to, the, like, the basement, right? Right. Aren't you? That's the normal survival tip. Also, aren't you supposed to keep the windows open? Yeah, I don't know if that's a myth or not, but, yeah, you're supposed to because otherwise the pressure builds up. As far as I know. Right. This is if you're living in the plain states of North America. Can Oklahoma, just, for instance. Well, I would butt in once. So because because where I come from, we had uh, tornadoes, you know, quite often during the summer. I didn't always see them, but they were there. And I used to work in a dry cleaners. And one time I looked out the front window and there was a tornado right there. And all I could think is... Oh my gosh, I better like go run hide. But this woman came in for her dry cleaning and I had to serve her. And she was all upset going, oh my God, there's a tornado on the way. And my little girl's at home with a babysitter. And I was thinking, well, what are you doing picking up your dry cleaning? Because the tornado was like right over our heads. So what I did was I went and locked myself in the bathroom because it didn't have any windows or anything. And there was no basement or anything. That makes perfect sense. That's a very logical thing to do. You see a twister. You've just served your last customer, possibly the last customer you'll yes, ever serve her. in your I life. Hope, I hope she made it home. Find open. a place With where you are not near no any windows. windows. You know, you're not going to get no hit by anything flying. To smash into your. But when we were at home, person. you know, my mom would lock herself in the bathroom, or you know, we go down in the basement. From what you mentioned, that happened a lot anyway. Yeah, my mom's not really all together. Anyway, so... She's a twister in her own right. Yeah, she's, she's a little bonkers. Um, so that's what you do in a tornado. So sorry, that's, I'm just butting in there because that's my own personal experience. These are Sharknados. And in the film Sharknado 2, two twisters, both yeah. with sharks. Yeah, but then Dookie, if there's threaten a... Threaten to merge. Yeah. Indeed, they do that. And it's... Uh, in itself an amazing anomaly but it becomes a, a super flood, tornado a super sharknado Dookie if your neighborhood's getting flooded out where are you gonna go? I think with the sharknado there's no place to hide well no 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 but just you know for a minute so you, you tornado you're going you're going either in a room with no windows or under the stairs or in a basement whatever with a flood you're gonna go to the high ground right so when you know these poor people that suffered from the floods over Christmas here and whatever you know, you saw the news footage. They were, you know, a lot of people were on the roof, right? Yes. Because you go high. Yes. You know, people were moving all their stuff up to their, if they have one, like the upper floors of their house, if they have one. It wasn't so much toys in the attic as put everything up there. Yeah, yeah. These poor people, you know, move the plasma. At least, you know, get you save something, you know. 
So, but you got... Lofty aspirations. Yeah, you know, and then you got people, you live in a flat, you can't... Anyway, so those are those two things. So then with a Sharknado, you got both. You got you got high winds, right? Mm. And you got flooding. Yes. So in the first Sharknado, they say, get to the high ground, right? And somehow they know this house that's on a hill, right? Which is where April, played very brilliantly by American actress Tara Reid. Yeah, so they go to this house on an isolated hill, and somehow the house gets flooded, even though when they go outside, the water's nowhere around and they can still drive away. It is a physical climactic anomaly. So then the second one, I don't want to, you know, have any spoilers or anything, but it starts out, doesn't it, on a plane? Yes. That's surrounded by sharks. The plane hits some inclement weather. Oh, it's inclement, all right, baby. And the poor plane ends up being hit by sharks. The sharks enter the airplane. If you thought that snakes on a plane yeah. was a source for great fear. Yeah. Imagine having a bunch of great whites and hammerheads. Yeah, well, yeah. And you know what was great, too, was you know, again, I don't think it's a spoiler. I think it's more like a trailer, if you haven't seen it. Ian Zeering. Firstly, let's not even get started on pronouncing Ian Ian, right? But he needs to cross from where he's standing safely on the car to the other side, but he needs to go through all this water in which there are sharks, right? Mm. So one person he sends over doesn't make it, but what does he do? He makes it over by using the sharks as like, you know when people do do their backyards and they put paving stones down so that you can walk from one part to the other? He uses the sharks like paving stones. And, you know, it's genius. He quite literally jumps the shark. He quite literally jumps the shark. Now, oh, ju- To be fair, if I'm going to be pedantic, he jumps several sharks. Yeah, and, and Judd Hirsch is in it. You know, we won't talk about what happens to him. We won't talk he about... He plays a taxi driver. Yeah. Judd Hirsch being famous for the late 70s, early 80s American television show Taxi. Yeah, and uh, your guy from uh, Airplane is in it. and he's... American actor Robert Hayes. Yeah, he's flying the plane. So he's in it. Uh, who else is in it? Uh, Matt Lauer's in it. Al Roker's in it. Al Roker's brilliant. His acting is fantastic. And the weather forecast that he gives throughout the film very emotional stuff he seems genuinely shocked i think that he's in such a a dynamic cinematic yeah. offering you know dookie can i put on a film critic hat for just a minute absolutely can i be siskel to your ebert my thumb is most definitely pointing upwards. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, fine. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm just, my only thing with Sharknado 2, I'm wondering if it's becoming a little knowing. You know what I mean? I like know the what you mean, yes. the first one, they didn't know that it was bad, did they? No, I think no. there was genuinely a strive for quality and that the bits which were meant to be light relief were just that, small lines in the film here and there. But for Tara Reid and for 
Iron Zeering. Mm, Zeering? That's a German name. For I can't believe I'm saying Iron, but yeah, that is his name. You know, Iron, if you're listening, could you get over it, please, and start pronouncing it properly? Anyway, yeah, that's just parenthetical there. And I believe that those two leading actors were doing the best that they could yeah. for the check, for the payment, for the yeah. wages. Yeah. And it just so happened to be a B-movie which Asylum, the name of the company who put the film out, had intended to be just that. Yeah. A B-movie which people knew what they were getting. It might have some cult appeal. Job yeah. done. Yeah. And then it developed quite a, a cult following. It went viral. And this now, version is, I agree 100%. It is knowing. It's, the, yeah, but the only thing that keeps it from being, you know, for me, a little bit of, okay, it's too knowing now. The only thing that, and I can't deal with it, the only thing that keeps it from everybody knows, right? Everybody who's in this movie, who's involved with this movie, they know, except for Ian. That's my feeling. My feeling is that Ian still thinks that he's in really, you know, he's up there doing Othello. You know what I mean? He's up there doing Hamlet. This guy is going to bed at night thinking, wow, I am in a quality, quality production given the performance of a lifetime. Move over, Laurence Olivier. You know what I mean? Move over, Danny Day-Lewis. Ian is here and Zeering is the guy. You know, that's what I think. I love the way whenever he deals with a situation in which a great deal of physical exertion yeah. has to be employed or when it's quite possible that he could buy the farm and yeah and all of that yeah he just resorts to screaming in a way that sounds like a man mid-orgasm yeah so you get this, that's kind of creepy yeah and he does that relentlessly through the film. Now, Dookie, the only thing that I have a question mark over... Okay, so all the producers, everybody, everybody knows about this movie except Ian. But my question mark is over Tara. Now, does she know or does she not know? If you know what I mean. Personally, yeah. I feel it's the other way around. In the first film, yeah. I believe that Ian was a jobbing actor right. who probably was thinking to himself, hey, do you know what? Fucking Luke Perry and that Canuck Jason Priestley, suck it. At least I'm making a fucking film. Yeah, okay. You guys are assholes. Yeah, I'm with you. That kind of thing, right? Yeah, I get it. And that he put in 100% effort and he was taking it seriously. Tara Reid, we're talking about the first film here. Yeah, yeah, Tara yeah. Reed, just happy to be working. Yeah, Happy okay. to be yeah. funding her lifestyle. I will say nothing more than yeah, that. Yeah, you know, and good luck to her. You know, yeah, In great. Sharknado 2, the second one. Yeah. I believe that Iron, through the interweb, through YouTube, through the Sharknado parties, he knows it's a joke and has become a parody of himself. Tara Reid yeah, okay. is still performing in a manner All right. in which she's there to fund her lifestyle. 
there's this All right. incredibly emotional scene where Tara loses a, a limb to mm. one of the oh, yeah, one I know. of the shots. Yeah, yeah. I won't mention which one. Yeah, don't mention, you know, don't spoilers. And she screams, she is able to use parts of her face, which for a woman that's experienced that much intervention. Yeah. I'm trying oh, to be diplomatic oh, here. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. It is quite impressive. This is the person who is giving the performance of her own lifetime. Okay, yeah. So I agree in the first one with you 100%. I agree with the second film only 50%. Okay, I'll, yeah, I'm coming round because he, yeah, sorry, I am, I am. He's all of a sudden decided, okay, now I got to be funny and he's taken it to the so extreme that he's still just as bad as when he thought he was serious. He was very much summoning the thespian skills that he gained after a decade of being on Beverly Hills 90210. How yeah. dare you say that he was well, being hammy? Yeah, sorry there, but, you know, I, I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, you and I were eating burritos together, and, uh, you know, Sylvia, we missed you. We realized that, you know, whatever some painters and, you know, whatever they did with Virginia, I don't know, uh, is is important to you, and we're glad we, you- we were watching Sharknado, Sylvia was enjoying a wolf nado, a Virginia wolf nado. Dookie, it was a wolf nado. It wolf was a happens. it was a Bloomsbury nado. And some people might not be familiar with the Bloomsbury group, but the, Virginia was a part of it. It was a Bloomsbury nado. Dookie, the audience that I was in, you have never been in such a middle class audience in your whole life. I mean, what is the most middle-class thing that you could think of that would cross the pond that would be relevant to both countries? Let me have a Because over here, you know, it's like... It's, it's references that you wouldn't necessarily get if you were in North America. So, you know, John Lewis or, you know, Waitrose or Marks and Spencer, you know, those kind of things... But, you know, it's hard to think of a middle-class reference that bridges the pond, as it were. Volvo drivers, maybe? I'm mm. not meaning to hit a sensitive mm. spot there, but we you know really what I mean? We explored that a great deal last okay, week. Okay, sorry, I'm just saying. I wonder whether or not it would be... I need to think of a location in North America first. Massachusetts. Can I try saying that again? Massachusetts. That's definitely a place a which one for me. has a Habsburg influence yes. when when you yes. employ exactly. your own exactly. uh, You're very diplomatic. Uh, pronunciation of yes. that particularly beautiful list. state. Okay. I'm thinking the Hamptons. Yes, it's very Hamptonsy. Or you know, lots of beady jewelry, but obviously a lot of money has been spent on it. Absolutely. And even maybe looking at the the champagne drinking left. Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard over in the States, yes, very much. So I felt it was very lovely because I felt very young and very, but still very intelligent. And I just thought it was great that whilst I was doing that, you May guys I interrupt you? were I've watching thought, Sharknado. I've got it, I've got it. Yes, go on. It would be like a wine tasting yes. fair yes. in Napa Valley, California, yes. oh, or good. Martha's Vineyard, yes. or oh, maybe 
a gourmet cheese yes. fair yes. Yes. in yes. Manhattan. The you types got of it. people that would go it's to that would be going to here. see Virginia Woolf being explored so, by an intellectual heavyweight. Yes, I felt just so clever that I was able to keep up with this lecture, and I'm not you know, putting myself about as a major intellectual, because I don't actually really like Virginia Woolf's works that much. I think that you have read Mrs. Dalloway because you had to in university. Did you not do Correct, that? yes. And I struggled with it. I really Dookie, wanted to like it. I've uh, had it did to... not resonate no. with me. And if there are any Virginia Woolf fans listening to this, I tried. Perhaps it's one of those things like... Like Leonard Cohen, where it took yes. me many years to appreciate what he's about. Or Tom Waits, in which the voice and the delivery was initially off-putting. But then, when I got it, when I understood it, so much to explore. Yeah, well, that may happen with Mrs. Dalloway. The thing with Virginia Woolf is, you know, I know that she had some mental health problems and you know she put rocks in her pockets and went for a walk in the river and didn't come back you know would a period have killed her or a full stop as you people call it over here would it have killed her to put a period at the end of a sentence you know maybe she was experiencing them so much in her real life yeah, she maybe. didn't want them you know, to maybe a comma, invade her literature a comma for god's sake you know break up you know you got a 400 word sentence here long-winded as long-winded as her nose i agree well, with you both the, the length of a nose is equal to the length of the sentences there we go i agree i with got you there both. in the end but and and despite her raging anti-semitism and her slight racism i'm still very interested in her but dookie and marcia i think that's why my phone died because my phone was black right, right. and i think it also had a jewish heritage and it died that night. I turned it off for the lecture so it wouldn't go off and bother anyone. So your Nokia Lumia. Yes, was both black and Jewish. And I think it the was The Lenny just, Kravitz of folks. It was. If it was a crooner, it would be Sammy Davis Jr. Exactly. So, and when if I... If it was a guitar player, it would be Slash. At the end of the lecture, when I went to turn it on again, it was dead. And I think it said to me, Sylvia... I'm done. We've rubbed along now pretty well for a couple of years, but you're supporting these this group of people who are well-known for being racist anti-Semites. I'm done with you. I'm done. This is a good time for me to die. I think that's what it did. It just gave up the ghost in protest. So, Sylvia, your phone yes. was black. It was black. It was a black Nokia Lumia. And it died. Yes. A bit like every black actor in Sharknado 2. Oh, do they? Or character in they the film. They kill off all the black characters? Yes. Yeah, but to be fair, they kind of... Pretty much everyone. Yeah, but they killed off everybody. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not giving any... Iron Searing's able to enjoy that piece of pizza at the tail end of the film. If you've seen Sharknado 2... Listen, Dad, spoil it for make people! It, make it through to the end, past the credits, and you will see that Iron Searing, Finn in the film is able to achieve yeah. his goal of finally yeah. having a slice of New York pizza. You know what, Dookie? What? It, it took... How long did it take us? Did we get halfway through that movie before we decide, before we discovered that... Oh, God, his name's Finn. 
Yes. We got halfway through that movie, didn't we? I mean, yeah, yeah. All right. So not the brightest. I mean, I don't think you and I are stupid, but we're being a little dim with that one, I think. Ditzy is a word. Yeah, I think we had some blonde moments there. You know, that's all I'm saying. Sharknado 3. How brilliant would be if it uh, was set in London? Yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe because the the London skyline, you know, is pretty iconic anyway. And, you know, if people don't know, you know, the, the city's getting quite a few new skyscrapers now. So, and there's one called the Gherkin, which is which is a British for pickle, because it's shaped like a pickle. I think that would be good for them to kind of play around with that. But also, one of the new-ish skyscrapers is called the Shard. Oh, the Shard! Yeah, Change God, one letter, what? and it's the Shard. And it looks like, you know, like an icicle, but, you know, like going upwards, you know. Or like, a, what do you call them, a stalagmite? Ooh, yes. It looks like a stalagmite. It's a cool building, and yeah, they could do that. They could do that. In this segment, we've been talking about Sharknado at length, yet we've also managed to discuss Virginia Woolf, the Bloomsbury Group, dead phones, and stalagmites. Can I say one more thing? Yes. There's a building in in the city that's new. Uh, it's about a year old now, I guess, uh, called the Walkie Talkie, because it looks like, guess what, a walkie talkie, right? That's right. Yeah, so, that you know, all these buildings have nicknames. So, last summer, when it was freshly up, what the architects didn't bargain on was that everything is all these, like, black kind of mirror kind of windows, and the heat coming off these windows was melting everything around the building. So some guy parked at the bottom of the building, he parked his BMW, and his side view mirrors melted off, right? That's one hell of a, an insurance claim. Yes, yeah, so that's a big... So this year, what they've had to do is like put some kind of, I don't know, weird barrier or something around the building. So, you know, people were literally fly, frying eggs on the sidewalk right by this building because that's the heat was... So and what I'm saying is Sharknado, they could use that. So, you know, like, you know, when you're a kid, you put bugs under like a magnifying glass in the summer... You could put the shark sharks under this building when it's really hot and burn them to death. That's great. Produce Sharknado producers, you can pay me for that idea. Absolutely. I can imagine that Finn, played very capably by American-born actor Iron Siri, maybe he would be at ground level on the pavement by the walkie-talkie yeah. building. Yeah, yeah. Being engulfed yeah. by the jaws of a shark. Yeah, but it burns white. off. Yeah. And you think he's going to go. Now, in the past, he was able to to get out of being, you know, meeting his maker through having a chainsaw. In this case, perhaps the viewers would see that his chainsaw had run out of petrol. Yeah. And that, in short, he was fucked. And yeah. you saw him being engulfed by the jaws of this great white and you think that's it this is the one where Finn dies where Iron Serene is no longer going to be part of this fraternity of fan- franchise of fantastic films and lo and behold there is a ray of sunlight yeah. which hits the glass that's the one. of the walkie talkie building yeah. which then throws this beam onto the great white 
killing it and enabling the lovely Finn to be free. Sharknado producers, you're listening to this. Uh, I'll take six figures for that, please. Thanks. Uh, Dookie, I'll go in uh, 50-50 with you. How about that? I'm there. www.facebook.com forward slash the Dukey Radio Show. The Dukey Radio Show. The Dukey Radio Show. Please do not do the screamies. We are only here to explore the scintillating situations happening in your city. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to scintillating situations in your city with Sylvia Silversmith. Hello, Sylvia. Hello, Dookie. Hello, Dookie listeners. What have you got in store for us this week? Well, Dookie, we've got two things this week, and one of them is taking place in the country where I do believe your dog is from. My dog, Molly, who is a sprolly, was born in Ireland, the Republic of... Is that why she wears a shamrock on her collar? Absolutely. She's an Irish dog. So she was shipped over from Ireland. Correct. She was on the ferry from Dunleary to Holyhead. Right. So does her Irishness manifest itself in any particular way that you have noticed? She drinks a lot. Does she? She does not, Dookie. She goes to church regularly. No, she does not. She tells the odd joke. Okay, so does she like a limerick? Absolutely. Okay. So, Dookie, have you heard of a place in Ireland called Lisdunvarna? Yes, I have. You yes. have? Yes. Is this the capital of matchmaking? <gasps> How do you know that, Dookie? I... You know everything. Spent, I spent two weeks um, very, very close to there while I was at university and uh, we stayed in that area just after... Oh, my wordly wordlington. ...the matchmaking had taken place. Oh, well, Dookie, that's exactly what we're doing from the 29th of August. This is quite a long scintillating situation. It's from August 29th through October 5th. In, so where is Liz Dunvarna? It is on the west coast of Ireland, Okay, so that doesn't it's mean anything to Galway. me. Near Galway. Near Galway. Okay. Near oh, yeah. Galway. So they do that. Near does the get, I, mean, I see. So yes, there is what claims to be the world's oldest matchmaking festival. Now, I don't want to anger any other potentially, you know, Irish listeners who may have matchmaking festivals that they know of that are that are older, because I, I think this is a big thing in Ireland. So what I'm saying is this one claims to be the oldest, 150 years old. And it goes back to where 
the time in history where due to lots of immigration and the Irish famine, that the gender balance got a little skewish. So there were lots of men left behind on the farms while all the women were going off to Dublin, you know, looking for jobs. And abroad. And abroad. So the men would need women and they were having a hard time finding women. So now there's this big matchmaking festival and there's even a pub in Lisdoon because apparently you can drop the Varna. It's okay. So Lisdoon. There's a place, there's a pub called The Matchmaker, and I love it because the sign on it says, Marriages are made in heaven, but most people meet in the matchmaker bar. So, this is a very long festival, and the guy, there's a guy... You know, like in Breaking There's Bad. There's always a guy. You know, like in There's Breaking Bad. There's a guy Bad. who's sometimes behind the guy. Yes, exactly. Who's the, then behind the guy. You know Saul from Breaking Bad. Yes, as in the you person know, that I need to call yes. whenever the shit hits the fan. You know, he's like the guy, right? There is the equivalent of Saul in this matchmaking festival, and you're never going to believe what his name is. His name is Willie Daly. Right. I mean, that's certainly going to be a goal for some of the people who take part. Well, exactly, because I don't know, but I'm thinking if I'm a young man on a farm and I haven't seen a woman in a while, if ever... I'm thinking I might need some Willie Daly. That might sound like an attractive prospect to me. Absolutely. I, I'm i at a loss for words. So, and the Irish link with Saul Goodman is a bit more intensive than you might realise. Because if you remember from Breaking Bad, mm. Saul Goodman is not that character's real name. He is, in fact, uh, a Mick himself and only opted for the slightly more neutral Jewish name in order to be taken more seriously in the legal profession. Well, Dookie, you know... Not that you can't be Irish and a fantastic solicitor. Well, Dookie, you know what? Man of law. I know that you have Irish roots. Yes, I do. Not like your hair color, but your cultural background is Irish. Absolutely. So, and indeed, for Marcia and I, you are kind of the guy. Is he not, Marcia? Yeah, Dookie, you're you're the man. You know, you're, you're... I am a man. You're like Saul, but you're also like the wolf in Pulp Fiction. You know right. what I mean? Because... You know, like my laptop, you know, was gone. And then... Your original laptop. Yeah. Last week you mentioned that you got a new one. Yeah, yeah. And you helped me source my new one. It's like magic. You know, you got it cheap. You got it delivered to me, like, practically for free. You know, you were the guy, right? And then and then you're like Saul this week for for our Sylve here, wasn't he? Is that Dookie? You were like the wolf this week because my I have suffered a death this week. 
Oh, again, my condolences yes. about this. We're it's... talking about this off air. You reminded me oh. of uh, the work that I did. Yes, Dookie, continue. The, the, the bereavement I'm suffering right now, my, for the good listeners out there, and I please, please, please forgive me for confessing all on air, but I have suffered a death this week. My phone died. Your Nokia Lumia whatever number. 800, very suddenly, it was gone. Now, I'm not saying I haven't had difficulties with it. There was no closure between you and the phone. I mean, one time, this particular Nokia, and if people out there are Nokia 800 Lumia users, you will know that it has battery startup problems. And one time, I actually got on a forum because my phone wasn't coming on. And this is a huge problem with these phones. And one of the people on the forum said, you actually need to stick it in the oven to let it warm up. And that'll do the trick. And it actually worked. So I you stuck put it, it in, in the, the oven. oven. Uh, I, I kind of hovered it around a hot oven because obviously I'm not stupid. What temperature d- is Well, I, I actually put the, the broiler on. Or as I know the Brits call it, the, the grill. I put that on and I cracked the oven door open a little bit, like like just a couple of inches. And then I hovered my phone over it just to warm it up, you know, obviously because I'm not an idiot. And it warmed up and it finally came on after like hours of like messing about with it. So we rubbed along like this for quite some considerable time. But this week, Thursday night, Dookie... It just decided that was it. There was no intensive care. There was no reviving it. It was gone. The chaplain could not make a visit to this phone. It, was, it didn't even get last rights. It just died. It so, flatlined. One minute it was vibrant, had a oh, pulse. Dookie, the next yes. flatline city. Flatline city. It's just gone. So, and Dookie, I cannot really i don't speak phone so whenever i've tried to go into like these phone places where you know people speak phone i turn into the world's biggest idiot and i just they just like one time i didn't even know what network i was with and that was bad i mean i've so, and they had to spend an hour, and then they had to tell me which network I was with, which was really embarrassing. So, I, the thought of going into one of those was actually oh, just driving me crazy. And, Dookie, thanks to you, you got on the internet for me, and I'm having a new phone delivered on Tuesday. You will become an iPhone user. I'm going all iPhoned up. Thanks to you, Dookie, you are indeed Saul, and you are indeed the wolf. Thank you very much. You come in and you just sort things out. Hey, I sort fucking shit out over there. So, Dookie, getting back to the matchmaker. One more thing. Yes, go on. Saul Goodman. Yes, please. Apparently, when the writers were coming up with names for characters... Yes. Saul Goodman was based around the phrase, It's all good, man. See, that show is just so clever, and I think that the three of us should also talk about Nurse Jackie. Absolutely, because yes. Because Nurse Jackie is... The me- cheeky pill popper. Ah, oh, God, you know, I want to be Nurse Jackie so bad, I can actually feel it. You know? You want to have a hidden a drug addiction yeah, that Dookie, you, you keep just- away from your loved ones and colleagues yeah, well- in a crafty, crafty manner. Dookie, just... 
I don't care. You know, my loved ones aren't, aren't that loved. You know, you know the people I'm related to by blood. I, you know, they need to stay away from me. You know, I don't care. Uh, Your surname is MacDonald, MC. Yeah. You two are somewhere in your DNA of Irish extraction as well, aren't yeah, you, Marcia? Yeah, you know, I don't need people related to me by blood. You know, like, Sylvia's my sister now. You're my brother. You know, I'd rather have that. I don't want to keep you people away. But Jackie, Dookie, humor me. Just humor me, even if you're lying at your butthole here. Tell me I remind you a little bit of Jackie. You do. There In is the a personality state. Yes. Okay, thanks. She's a slightly more ragged New York version of yourself. Yeah, okay, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Yeah, we uh, yeah, that show Yeah, I mean, you know, the first couple of episodes I wasn't sure. Wasn't sure, you know, once you've seen Breaking Bad, you know, sheer perfection, you know, you got some pretty high standards, but Wow! It, it, yeah, it is good. It's good. So, it is... Oh, And I really want to be Zoe. So, Dookie, if you could do me the same favor and humor me and tell, uh, tell me that I remind you of Zoe. The perennially positive <gasps> She's, young isn't intern. Isn't she fabulous? I'm a big fan. I think She's she so fabulous. is fantastic. But then again, there is part of me that would really like to be Eve Best. Because if you can run around ICU like that, no, not ICU, the emergency room, like uh, A&E, if you can run around taking care of like bullet wounds and stuff, wearing stilettos, to me, you are qualified as a goddess. A lifesaver in ridiculously high oh, stilettos. Oh, I, I in my head, I'm a real stiletto gal. I love nice shoes, but my feet are only fit for trainers, I'm afraid. Or tennis shoes, whatever you call them. Plimsolls. Yes, I, uh, my feet just do not agree with stilettos. But my head, I'm such a stiletto gal. Anyway, so there is a soul stroke wolf in Lisdoon called Willie Daly. And he is a local horse dealer, a farmer, a publican, and a third-generation matchmaker. And he has hooked up thousands of couples, and he's called the Horse Whisperer of Matchmaking. So, And he does it sheerly by intuition and wisdom. And he's even written a book called The Last Matchmaker. Now, the only thing is, is that the people, there are hundreds of people who are wanting to see him. So what their site recommends is that if you can't get in to see Willie, ask for his daughter, Claire, because what it says is she's got the gift as well. I'm amazed that her name isn't Fanny. Oh, wouldn't it be great if it was Fanny? Fanny Daly. See, but do we not need to explain that to certain people? Oh, of course, to our North American listeners, downloaders. Fanny means front body here on this side of the pond. Over there, it's all about the backside, isn't it? Yes, so when I first came over here, I was going to college over here, to university, with a group of American students. And one of my friends had a what we call a bum bag now over here. And she was wandering up and down the pub because she misplaced it, saying, where is my fanny pack? I just need my fanny pack. And wondering why all these British men were kind of looking her a bit askance. 
So it, please, North American lovelies, when you come over here, it's a bum bag and not a fanny pack. Fanny Daly is a really solid name. Fanny Daly and Winnie, Willie Daly, uh, oh, wouldn't that be a great couple name? Ooh. So the matchmaking festival, apparently it's not for the faint hearted. This isn't like speed dating. This is like get your groove on, drinking, dancing, all kinds of wildness over the period of this month and a bit so that you can meet your one true love. Hormones are on high alert in this festival. So, and the words love is in the air don't even begin to cover it. Liz Dune Varna, Ireland. 29th of August to the 5th of October. Go find your soulmate. Go find the one. The Guinness will be pouring. The The, lust will be soaring. It's and you know what I love as well is that you know I you kind of assume I guess that it's maybe you shouldn't maybe I kind of assume that it was a heterosexual festival you know for women looking for men but what I love is that in one of the photos on the site advertising this there's two young men who look like they've got together there so you know whatever your thing is go along and find the one so you don't just have to be you know man woman it looks as though it could be anything that blows your skirt up or trousers or your trousers you know whatever blows whatever up that you happen to be wearing and if you're a fanny looking for daily fanny you can be sorted absolutely and indeed a willy looking for daily willy if you're looking for willy if you're looking for fanny go along get hooked up that's all i'm saying don't go to shagaloof and do it there because shagaloof it's not good. No. I'm not being judgmental. I hope I don't sound... Please forgive me if I sound judgmental. It just doesn't sound maybe the place where you're going to find the one. That's the part of the world where instead of finding a soulmate, you find an STD or three. Yeah, I... I don't like my holidays to include antibiotics. More of a whole mate than a soulmate. Yeah, I mean, if that's your thing, you know, go along, have a good time. Fine. Just, you know, I just don't want to have to come home and take antivirals. That's all I'm saying. For me, personally, I'd rather go to Lisdoon. Do you want the second thing, Dookie? We're going to Finland. Finland? Finland. We're going to a festival... I think it's also the name of the place in Finland, and I can't pronounce it. It's called Oulu, which sounds kind of Polynesian to me, but it's it Finland. It does sound like something that you would hear being sung at a luau. Yes, it's O-U-L-U, Finland, and I think it's also the name of the festival. It's the 27th of August through the 30th of August. It's the Air Guitar World Championships. Yes. How fabulous. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my good, good, goodness. How fabulous. Apparently, this just used to be part of this Oulu festival, but it's become so popular that it's become like an event in its own right. People go along just to see the Air Guitar Championships. How fantastic is that? Why learn how to play when you can air guitar to the licks 
and scales of a virtuoso. Exactly. And you know what? It's such a pacifist kind of thing to do because what the organizers of this event are saying is that according to the promoters, wars end, climate change stops, and all bad things disappear if all people in the world play air guitar. So they're saying make air, not war. Bring it on. Which just sounds fabulous. It's been going on since 1996, but as I say, it's just become huge. And what I love, Dookie, is how they judge it. Now, Dookie, you're a musician and indeed a guitar player, a bass player, all of that. So can you, if you were one of the judges, what would you be looking for from an air guitarist? Enthusiasm. Mm. Timing. Yes. Believability, where this looks like the person has embraced. Absolutely. Their inner guitar hero. Yes. So accuracy and also just sheer style and exuberance. Dookie, I think you've got it all. Pureness of emotion. That's it. So there's four, they, they break those down into four things like what you've just said. So the first one is technical merit. So does it look technically right? You know, if you're jamming along to back and black guitar solo, does it actually look like it? Mimesmanship. So does do they actually look like they're playing an invisible guitar? Stage presence. So kind of like you said about, you know, are they giving it their all and are they getting the crowd involved? And what they call the fourth one is what they call airness. So what overall artistic impression are they making? So, and Dookie, so you go through two rounds. So the first round is where you perform to whatever song that you wish. And then the second round is a surprise. So they kind of spring it on you. All of a sudden, you know, you're hearing Twisted Sister and you're having to mime along to Twisted Sister and you're being judged. Improvisational air guitar performance. Yes. Doesn't that sound fabulous? All you have to do to enter is send a one-minute clip of you air guitaring along to the song, your chosen song. That's all you have to do. And it's for peace. World peace. Make air guitar, not war. Make air, not war. And the reason I'm telling everyone about this now is that they have to receive your auditions by the 14th of August. Dookie, Marcia, I think we should all go along because this just sounds absolutely a fabuloso. I absolutely love Finland. I love the Finns. Add some air guitar in there and I'm going to be one happy Dookie-shaped bunny. Dookie, you need to look at this guy who's on this site. Have a look at this guy. Now, isn't that just the guy that you picture doing air guitar? Absolutely. Championships. So this guy's shirtless, but he's wearing a silver vest and kind of would you spandex leggings. He looks like he could be performing in the darkness yes. circa the early noughties. He looks like he's giving it his all. And he appears to be wearing a bandana over his eyes. Yes, I don't really am not sure what that's about. I think what he's saying is that he's so proficient, he does Ah. not even need to look at the fingerboard of his guitar. I do have to warn people that you're not allowed to, like, play air bass 
or air drums or air keyboards. You can only play air guitar and you're not allowed to have a band with you. You have to do it on your own. Right. So, you know, like Top Buzzer couldn't go up there instrumentless. And like, you know, the three of you, you have to be on your own. It's kind of like, you know, like X Factor, I guess. So, and only Ed from the band, our guitarist, would be the only person that could do it on account of the fact that he's the guitarist He's the, go- the guitar player, yes. Right. So that's, you know, we have to follow some rules here. And I just think it sounds fantastic. I'd like to see some girls up there. I think that would be amazing. I would imagine that a lot of hair metal guitar solos will feature in Finland. Yes, Dookie, if you were going to enter this, what would be your song? Which is a roundabout way of asking what my favourite guitar solo would be. I suppose I am asking that. I suppose so. One of my favourite guitar solos might not be the best one to air guitar to. Yes. Neil Young, Cinnamon Girl, one note. Okay. But it's the right note. That doesn't seem like, you know, air guitar championships. You know, so what I'm saying is is that that would be really different. Oh, it would be different. I wonder if somebody could go up there and instead of doing a guitar solo, would just do a two-minute Ramon song. Johnny Ramon, all downstrokes, Blitzkrieg, bop. Bring it on. You know what made it me, me think of? It made me think, because I couldn't do this if in a million years, but it did make me think of in Spinal Tap, where Nigel takes the violin and uses that to play his guitar. I'm thinking if you could airplay that... That would really be quite something, because if you could mime that so that people knew what you were doing, surely that's got to gain you some points. I am air playing a violin. Oh, no, I'm air playing a guitar with an air violin. So, of course, I've got expressions of my guitar solos. Yes. My guitar solos are my trademark. And then mime your way through Absolutely. that Absolutely. Wouldn't that? That's, ex- that's immediately, for some reason, that's what I thought of. Everybody there would know. They would know. Would know that scene from Spinal Tap They would know intimately. it. And if they didn't know that scene, they would. I think that's grounds for disqualification. I would imagine a lot of people will be doing famous guitar solos like Comfortably Numb. Yes. David Gilmore. Yes. Who used to be known as Dave Gilmore, but now insists... That he's called David. But that's a whole other topic. Dookie, he sounds like a challenging character. He's a talented man who is probably quite challenging. He, he sounds like he could be a bit of a tricky customer. Bitter. Bitter is a word. Yeah, no, but I meant a bit of a tricky customer. Oh, I heard you. Oh, okay. So, anyway, Dookie, so we're going to Ireland to get fixed up with our one true love... And we're going to Finland to see some air guitar championships. Bring it on is what I say. Sylvia, it has been a slice of daily willy-loving, fanny-exploring, well, fanny-pack-exploring heaven with air guitar music punctuating the silence, having you here on the Dookie Radio Show once again. Thank you, Dookie. Thank you, Dookie listeners. This has been Sylvia Silversmith reporting on scintillating situations in your city. 
To a mere pedestrian or uninitiated local, Penge may appear to be an unremarkable suburb of London. Neither city nor country, neither posh nor destitute. But in this quiet enclave in the southeastern quarter of our nation's capital is an Art Deco semi-detached house owned and occupied by a North American transplant to Blighty named Slutty Sue. And while I was on my way to the Dukey Radio Show studios, I popped into Sue's pristine abode and asked, Slutty Sue, what have you been up to? I'm not in my house this week, Dukey. I've gone on vacation to Magaloof. Because everything there is so dirty. change here i hope you don't mind uh this feels slightly different yeah this is another cheat you're uh, cheating this didn't come from me though it came from sylvia sylvia's encouraging me to cheat so rather than this being an overheard as reported by you Marsha, our much-loved reporter with the razor-sharp voice yeah yet we are in mid-dialogue now. Yeah. You've told me that this is a cheat. Enlighten me. Tell me more. I am confused. I'm handing over to Sylph because uh, it'll come clear. Okay? Is that all right? So this isn't a bizarro world no, version no, of the segment. It's, uh, Sylvia has agreed to do this for me. So this is all about giving credit where credit Absolutely, is due. Absolutely, man. Sylvia, what did you overhear? Dookie. This was you and me and Martha. And we were all out after one of your gigs. And it seems that we met a man who you said you have quite a long history with. I don't know if anything is coming clear here. You have quite a long history with this man. I do know who you are on about. However, in order to preserve the anonymity... Yes. No, I'm not mentioning names. Right, okay. Yes. So I'm not mentioning names, but you have a long history with him, and you said some things that some experiences that you two have had together have been a little ups and downsy. Unsavory is a word that comes to mind. Yes, you've had an upsy downsy kind of relationship, and some of the things that he said to you over the years, from what you were telling Marcia and I, are a little unsavory in our books. A little off. A little off. 
so Dookie, you were, but you were telling us that that night that he was being just so lovely, lovely. Genuinely a pleasure to be around. Yes, he, he was apparently being lovely. And so... A refreshing change. Marcia pipes up. And what I overheard her say was... One night of nice doesn't make up for 20 years of cunt. <laughs> and that's, and that's cunt as o- in behaviour rather than female anatomy available for sale, rent or hire. What is with the strong language on this show? It's downright unsavoury. So, Dookie, firstly, that's what I overheard from Marcia, and I said to her, that's got to be an overheard, but she didn't want to report her own overheard. And But I just love that phrase because that could just go for a lot of people. You know, just because you act like an uh-uh for, for many, many years doesn't mean that one night will make up for it. An uh-uh? Uh-uh-uh. Right. You just said cunt earlier, but when you have to say it yourself. That was reported speech. Oh, right. So you have a bit of an issue with the C word. Sometimes. Fair enough, fair enough. Sometimes, Dookie. It's a lot of your... uh... It's like when you're quoting Pulp Fiction. Mm. You know when you're quoting Pulp pulp Fiction and the N-word just comes out because it's part of the quote and it's quoted speech? And you're quoting, should I say quoting a few t- more times to try to make it okay that a white person is using that word. But you can't actually say that word. You know, so it sort of makes it okay if it's quoted speech, but you can't actually say that word. I completely understand. It's yeah, all good. Of, you know, a lot of Americans, you know, particularly American women have a problem with this C word. Now, I don't actually have a problem with it. I'd rather be called a cunt than a bitch anytime, and I, I don't really know why. You know, but, you know, it's just a word, and, and I like it. It's a good word. It is a lovely word. I like the way that it sounds. Yeah, it's a good word, and from what you're telling me, some of the stuff that this guy has said to you is kind of cuntish, you know? I would remove kind of from that sentence. So, and, you know, can I just say how much I'm enjoying being able to swear on this show, too? Are you embracing this well, newfound freedom? You know, like, you can, you know, and you not getting, like, shitty emails every week about, you know, I don't know, you put the stapler on the wrong corner of the desk in the radio studio, you know, that, that kind of shit used to wind me up. Ah, wind me up, that British expression, I like that. Anyway, yeah, I'm enjoying it. So it's, I have to say that this newfound freedom is making me feel like less of an unwanted asshole. Yeah, uh, less of a cunt. Yes. They made you feel like a cunt. And, and me and Sylvia are quite protective of you, and we didn't like you feeling like that, did we, Sylv? No, Dookie, we didn't like that. It wasn't nice. It wasn't nice. You know, you need to, if you're going to manage people, you need to manage through lots of carrots and few sticks. And all they gave you was sticks, in my humble opinion. They gave you stick, 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 and no carrots. And I firmly believe, as a management consultant, I believe and I know that it works better to give people, you know, lots of good things. Hey, throw me a fucking bone. Uh, they, they should have thrown you a few bones, maybe. Maybe. But I'm sure, you know, whatever. I wish them luck. Thanks, guys. You really do have my back. It is much appreciated. Uh, can I say one last thing before yes. we uh, wrap it up? Uh, Absolutely, Marsha. Uh, Dookie, I do believe you're going away this week. 
Yes, after playing a gig in London on Wednesday, the 6th of August at the Rhythm Factory. A scintillating situation in your city. Indeed. Is there a bit of a reversal of roles here? Yes, where we are. Sylvia's just... doing overheard and Marsh is now doing some scintillating situations. Well, thank you, Marsha, because I can't believe it's a scintillating situation in Blackpool. Absolutely, yes. Firstly, Top Buzzer, my band, are playing at the Rhythm Factory in London on the 6th of August, and that's our warm-up show. Is that DJ Spoonie? It's normally DJ Spoon's night, but he's away, so we've taken this over. Spoon is a fantastic man who puts on gigs all over London. I'd like to do a big I've known shout him for out years. for the spoon because I thought he was lovely and very entertaining. A lovely, lovely MC. man. He was wonderful. He's a hardworking man and he has taken uh, August off. Yeah. And our gig at the Rhythm Factory is a warm up for our return to Rebellion Festival this coming weekend, which kicks off on Thursday the 7th and we are performing on the arena stage on Friday and at 12.30pm that's in the afternoon which means that we will actually be kicking off the festival we are the band that the people that will be arriving on the Friday will be seeing first and it's a big honour to be returning and there are many bands who I am looking forward to seeing. Established bands like Stiff Little Fingers and Killing Joke as well as new groups like Brassic and The Talks uh, as well as bands in between like Morning Glory. I'm really looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to being back in Blackpool. Dookie? Yes. One more thing. We're going to miss you muchly, but then it seems as though Marcia and I are going to go up and hang out with you in Edinburgh for the festival. This is true. This will be the Dukey Radio Show's first mobile <gasps> podcast. Fabulous! So we will be reporting the week after next on all the good things which are taking place at the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh. Yeah, so... And I, we hope to meet some very interesting people there who we may possibly be able to interview. Yeah, some. Dookie, uh, have fun in Blackpool and good luck there. Not with the gig, because you don't need good luck with the gig. Just good luck in uh, Blackpool, if you know what I mean. Uh, oh, I'm going to need it. Well, I'm afraid that's your lot. You've been listening to Jump the Shark Day, though. My name is Dukey, and I've been your host. May the worst of tomorrow be the best of yesterday. Thanks for listening. Sharks and tornadoes. That's a real combination, isn't it? Sharknado. 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 Tornado. Roy, it ain't a tornado, it's a sharknado, isn't it? Now you're always getting it wrong, isn't you? Is it? And you're flat, ain't you? You got no toonie in your tuning toning. I'm just singing one line, Oh, no, come on, we're going home. All right.